Hello everyone, welcome to Just Move In's Residential Expert Discussion for February 2023. Um, I'm joined here as usual by Mark Hayward. How are you doing, Mark? Not too bad, thank you, James. Not too bad. Have your I, I didn't ask really, but has your um your quarterly energy bill arrived through the door yet? Uh, well, looking at the state of your hair, you've obviously had yours. Uh, <laughs> well, that's below the belt. I had my quarterly bill uh, last uh, week, having watched my smart meter for the last three months, thinking, oh, my gosh, uh, how much is this all costing me? And I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I don't think there are many people that could say that, but I, I switched uh, with British Gas about 14 months ago, uh, and it actually was a very sensible thing to do. It doesn't happen very often that you make these right decisions about paying a bit more for something, but hearing the horror stories that I'm, I'm getting from uh, friends and family, it is, it's not good out there. No, I was completely shocked by my bill, and I'm going to have to learn to turn the lights off a bit more effectively, I think. Um, we have had some building work been going on, um, so that's some form of excuse, but I, I think my children have a lot to do with this as well. So I'll be, having, I'll be having words. <laughs> so anyway, let, let's kick things off with 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 talk about the the market generally and state of the sector. Um, obviously, we've seen loads of headlines about um, property prices falling alarmingly, um, uh, but it's not all the same. We have been receiving some mixed messages, haven't we? Um, I mean, what one report I wanted to put put to you was by um, a data agency, uh, 20CI, who were saying that new instructions are actually 125,000 higher than they were this time last year. Um, but then again, you read other newspapers and, and it's all doom and gloom. I mean, The Guardian is saying that um, buyer demand and listings are down 47% um, from, from where they were. Um, so, I mean, what's your, what's your inkling? What do you think is going on out there? I'm as ever, getting mixed messages. And we haven't just got one property market in this country. We've got 50, 60, 100 or more, um, because each area responds in a different way, depending on the drivers within that. So I'm getting mixed messages. Uh, I am getting messages that um, there's more houses coming onto the market, and that's needed. Um, the expectation of homeowners is still high in terms of the price they want. And yet I've been on the websites uh, and constantly monitor them. There's a huge amount of property that has been reduced in price um, mm -hmm. since the beginning of the year. But what I, I, I'm not getting that sort of doom-laden prophecies that we were possibly getting um, towards the end of last year. Uh, people still have to move, whatever the market. Um, there might have been some levelling on prices. And when I say prices, uh, those are asking prices. Uh, and just remember, a lot of the time it's reported or the figures that are reported are based on asking prices, not on sales prices. And the only accurate sale prices are those given by land registry, uh, and they're only registered um, subsequent to completion. So mm -hmm. there is a long lag before getting those. And we know from uh, the lenders that uh, we're seeing some more encouraging fixed term rates coming in, and I think that's going to continue. All right, we've just had another rate rise uh, interest rate rise uh, another one is possibly coming next month but we're getting the feeling particularly when you look over to the states that things are going to be leveling off so i think on the sales market um yeah it's becoming more more 
uh, normal, if you can call it, uh, there is no such thing as a normal market, but it's becoming a bit more balanced in terms of supply uh, and demand. And that tends, the more supply you have, and if you've got a static demand, that will just ease off prices on the, on the sales side. So I think the spring is not, uh, normally people say, I'll put my house on the spring, in the spring, because it's better. Uh, it seems to me people are just getting on with it now. So the positive thing is there is a, there is a desire to move. It's, well, we're not looking at uh, forced sales. It's just a desire to move. So it may be um, that it will level itself up. But it's not, not a disaster. Yeah, and I wonder as well how, how, how much of a good indicator the number of reductions, you know, is that kind of accurate? Because we're not in the middle of a, of a long recession at the moment. You'd still think that agents would try and pitch things relatively high with, um, you know, in the knowledge that they can reduce things quite quickly if they're not getting the interest. So maybe we shouldn't panic too much about that. I don't think panic too much. And we know that um, to update, attain an instruction to sell, the agent is going to be, uh, shall we say, optimistic yes. about price. It may not be, you may not be able to justify that in terms of other deals, but he'll be optimistic. So hopefully the vendor of the property will wish him to sell it because he thinks he can get him more money. Whether that happens at the end, Day, we don't know yeah exactly and um i mean you, you mentioned their interest rates going up to four percent which which happened was it was it last week um right. the bank of england did say though that the economic news isn't as bad as first fear they're now saying that inflation has probably peaked which is obviously incredibly good news for everyone um, and they're also saying that the recession isn't going to be as prolonged or as deep as first feared um so that that's some good news yeah, it's 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 good. It's, as as we know, the market is all about sentiment, uh, and if the sentiment or the messages coming out are relatively positive, as opposed to last year when they were incredibly gloomy, you know, we've just missed going into recession. Whether we do later in the year, I don't know. But as you say, the messages coming out uh, are not all painted black. Yeah, um, and there have been some other slightly positive stories. I mean, there was a report in the Telegraph that said although sales were down. 20%, some towns are bucking the trend. And uh, I can't remember the name of the journalist in the Telegraph, but um, he or she attributed this to um, older buyers who are obviously not so affected by um, interest rates because they should have more cash to be able to afford larger deposits if required, and they're, and they're downsizing. Absolutely, and I think they're downsizing um, for a number of reasons. Firstly, um, they don't have a mortgage to pay, but if they downsize, they're going to have capital to put away. And, and with interest rates rising, they're going to get a return on that. Um, mm -hmm. They're not price sensitive. They're more location sensitive or house size sensitive. So if they see the property that they want in the area that they want, it's all about the area. It might be because of the quality of that area or because it's close to family and friends. Um, so all there will be areas always that command a premium, almost regardless of the market. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the flip side, though, I mean, if, if, older, if older buyers aren't so affected by increases in um, in mortgage interest rates, unfortunately, it's 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 probably the people really suffering are younger people and, and first time buyers. I mean, the outlook is pretty tricky for them. Uh, yeah, we've still got a large deposit to find. We've got interest rates high and highest than they were a, a year ago. Um there is a slight, I suppose there's a slight window that buy-to-let landlords are less likely to pick up 
the properties that the first time buyer um, normally went to. But with very low wage inflation, um, it's going to be difficult for them to catch up. And you, re you know, read some horror stories of people who already saved a 10% deposit, but they need another 10% to actually make the move physically happen. Um, so whether the government is going to do anything there, they've tinkered with it, but, um, you know, they've tinkered with the stamp duty, but that's not a huge amount of money compared with how much you actually have to find in the first instance. And if you're renting, um, 40 odd percent of your income is going to rent. And we know already that tenants are struggling. I think it was when statistic uh, last week that 55% of tenants uh, are finding it difficult to meet the cost of living uh, and that's only going to get worse I think. Yeah I wanted to talk I and mean, we've talked about sales it'd probably be good to spend some time talking about um, uh, letting agents and uh, and the rental of the private rented um, sector as well um, obviously we've got a slightly different story in that we have record rents at the moment um, in, in incredibly, I mean, unaffordable, as you've uh, as you've uh, mentioned there for a lot of people. Um, and we've also got reports of, um, well, I mean, this is something we've mentioned before, haven't we, about landlords leaving the sector. Um, well, we're, we're getting more and more stories about this. I mean, perhaps unsurprisingly, the Telegraph is focusing on this more than most. And if you go to the Telegraph property pages over the last week, I think there are four or five articles just, you know, on landlords and, and the difficulties that they're having at the moment particularly but landlords, I think, with smaller portfolios as well of being, uh, don't particularly have much incentive at the moment to uh, to become a landlord. Um, I'm just wondering where you think this might, where this might end. Are we, are we heading towards some kind of breaking point? Because obviously with the cost of living crisis, tenants are struggling with their rent, but landlords are struggling and they're going to want to put rents up. So where's it all going to lead to? Well, it's, it's going to be down to affordability and it could, come to a point where tenants generally cannot afford the rents that are currently being asked. We still, though, have uh, an undersupply of properties um, to rent. Um, existing renters are staying put, so they're not moving to a better property even to rent. They're staying put, so that's going to continue. Um, I think with the, la the landlords as well, they've got issues um, that are on the horizon. We might talk about uh, EPCs, etc., a bit later. So there's some, some hefty costs as well down the road for landlords, together with a you know, pretty punishing tax regime, um, which hasn't helped them. Uh, if they could bring back uh, mortgage relief for landlords, that would certainly help. Um, so I think I think the government. There's been a number of. Um, government discussions and committees looking at the PRS um, whether they will do anything or can do anything I don't know but there is a realisation and I think the Bank of England said as well that they were uh, unhappy with the state of the PRS at the moment um, but that is more difficult because you're dealing with predominantly thousands and thousands of landlords um, who are individuals as opposed to companies the majority will have one or two properties. So yeah. it's very difficult to do a sort of overarching um, or give an overarching gesture or change that will have any material effect. Yeah, it, it's tricky. And you, you mentioned um, EPCs there. Um, I feel that we should talk about this because there was a, an article in the, in the negotiator that says that the majority of landlords are not ready 
for the for the EPC rule changes at all. And of course, we're referring here to the fact that you need a, a minimum EPC rating of C um, yeah. by April 2025 for new tenancies. And of course, that's now only what about 20, 26 months away, I think, April 2025. Um, and of course, um, existing tenancies, that's 2028, which will probably come around quite fast as well. Um, this report says, it's by the mortgage company um, MFS, apparently only 38% of landlords are actually, actually know about this, this rule change and know what's required and what they have to do. Um, and the of the ones that are aware of this, 64% of them are unsure how they can actually improve their EPCs. So it, it's kind of worrying. Um, this is only a couple of years out, and land uh, a majority of landlords are either unaware of it, or if they are aware of it, they don't know what they can do about it. So it's a bit of a ticking time bomb, isn't it, really? Absolutely, and particularly as a, a, normally a tenant or a purchaser really doesn't want to know about an EPC, probably doesn't even understand what an EPC is. They just want to buy that property or take a tenancy on that property. Um, I think now with the energy costs, which we've spoken about, um, high and probably continue high, people will be starting to um, take more attention of EPCs. Um, I don't think, as you say, landlords are wholly aware. They should, if they're letting their property... Um, through uh, an agent, that agent will make them aware, but whether the landlord wishes to actually hear what they're saying or they're just putting it off uh, until tomorrow uh, and whether the government um, will extend that deadline. I mean, it's all about energy efficiency, as we know, uh, and we know that a vast amount of properties currently being rented um, are not only below sea, but will struggle to ever get to sea. Um, because yeah. our housing stock in this country is predominantly old stock. Mm. Uh, there are parts of the country, northeast, northwest, um, particularly, who have a huge amount of sort of pre war Edwardian, Victorian homes um, that it may not even be worthwhile for the landlord to spend the money. So yeah, rather, than, rather than spend the money, they'll just take the capital gain and walk away from it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was that's what I was about to say is, uh, you know. <laughs> this has to be done by April, 2025, you know, when it suddenly gets to the, you know, the final quarter of 2024, are we suddenly going to see people worrying about a cliff edge and, and loads of properties going on the market as landlords are starting to run away. Um, and, and if that does happen, maybe we might see the government kind of delay the, the you know, put, put the law back, give them a bit more time to comply. I'm not sure. I mean, we don't know what state the economy is going to be in either, do we, in a, in a couple of years time? We don't. We don't. We don't know how. How is it going to be enforced? You know, our trade yeah. trading standards. Are they going to go to every letting agent to say, "What's your stock? Can I see your EPC?" A um, lot of people, lot of landlords don't use an agent anyway. Um, so unless there's a register of landlords, and we've talked about that before, uh, and there's a bit more in the and the recent uh, committee's decisions on or over the PRS and the PRS changes. So it is going to be very difficult. Um, a to, to get that message across because people don't want to hear bad news, uh, and to and to see whether or not even if they're willing to upgrade their property, there are the trades out there to enable them to do it at a reasonable price. Yeah, I mean, with with fines as well as up to, of up to thirty thousand pounds, whether that will happen or not, I don't know. I mean, uh, thirty thousand pounds is an awful lot of money. 
you know, if thirty thousand pounds is an awful lot, you, I think you just sell out of here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to sell because I've got to, if I've got to find a the money to to do the alterations. Okay, there's going to be some government help, um, and I've got to do it, and I've got to factor it in. And if I don't do it, allegedly, I'll get fined thirty thousand pounds. Mm. It's a huge disincentive. If we do have a if we do have a Labour government, which is looking quite likely um, at some point, um, I think that they're going to put more emphasis, aren't they, on, on social housing as opposed to private rented sector. Um, I, but you can't suddenly build loads of new homes in a in a short space of time like that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Labour tackle this problem if indeed they do get the opportunity to, because they're supposed to be on on tenant side so maybe they'll be quite keen to penalize landlords i don't know um but obviously they're going to have a problem if we have less private rented houses and landlords are fleeing the sector because prices will go up demand will be strong supply will be lower yeah it'll be interesting we won't have to wait long because we'll have a general election next year probably yeah yeah i think may is the is the rumor but we shall see from my contacts in local government, <laughs> we, will, we will see. Um, so the, the other, the, I, I guess the most significant news that we've had, and this is um, on, a, on a similar theme, you know, talking about lettings again, um, we've now had the uh, the response to the call of evidence for the um, Renters Reform Bill. And we've now had the, the cross-party levelling up uh, committee has, has, has talked to industry experts, they've done their canvassing, um, and now they've released this uh, reforming the private centered, sorry, sorry, reforming the private rented sector report, as they're calling it, which is basically them feeding back on, on the white paper that the government released. Um, and now I, I think we need to talk about this, but there are so many different elements to it. It probably makes sense to go through it one by one. Um, so let's start with the things that they like. Um, and fortunately, there are quite a few things that they do seem generally in favour of. Um, and the first one is that obviously sector 21 is now a goner. Yeah. Um, which is good because at least, all right, this, you know, this is only advisory, but at least I think um, it gives some clarification and, and people can concentrate on other aspects rather than banging on about section 21. Um, it's gone. And I think the other, one of the good things is that they've, you know, you've talked about the consultation. They have listened to people. They have listened. And I know, um, probably mark my previous uh, organization was referenced 23 times um, in the report which is amazing that th they've they've sought that opinion listened to it and acting on it so that's positive. Um, yeah yeah some of the aspects we're not quite so sure about the so section 21 as you say is a goner that, that is a goner that that one's uh going the way of the dodo um the other thing that they seem quite in favor of well, well strongly in favor of um, this idea of having new housing courts. Um, yeah. As, as, as we all know, the, the local courts in England, county courts, are, are completely overwhelmed at the moment. So having anything that kind of eases the pressure on those courts and, you know, can be kind of segued into, into some, sorry, siloed into, in, into a housing court seems like a good idea. I, I imagine you think this is a good idea too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have a court specifically for housing, um, well resourced and being able to deal with the issues that go to court quickly because they are, are normally pressing issues. But if you've got to wait three, six, nine months, and as we know during the pandemic, everything was put back and put back and put back. Um, something that is very specific to the housing sector has got to be good. Yeah, 
yeah. And another thing that there's been a positive response um, towards is the at the end of fixed term contracts um, and the move towards rolling contracts. Um, but with the exception of um, students, student yeah, competition. Yeah, the student. I think they've they've listened to the arguments about students uh, and have uh, made some very positive changes to the proposals, giving agents that fixed term contract, obviously uh, for a year uh, and other. Uh, benefits around that, which is which is good news for, for students and good news for landlords. Yeah, it's common sense as well, isn't it? Because students are obviously at university for a fixed period of time, um, unless they're doing some PhD or postdoc that you know rumbles on and on and on um, indefinitely. You know, if, if they you know they come out of halls of residence and then they need somewhere to live for for two years or one year, it, it just makes sense. Again, it's good that the, the they're listening. Yeah, is this system working? Do you think it seems unusual? But anyway, it's good. Um, and they're very much in favour of the decent home standard, which is something that we talked about, I think, last month as yeah, well. Which again, positive. Yeah. As, as you say, there's too many positives. <laughs> you know, we're going to be sceptical. Um, I don't. We'd have to see. You know, it's when does it get on the statute book? That's that's the issue. It's all very well that talking about. Yeah, particularly if there's a change of government as well. Although I imagine that Labour would probably have an incentive to kind of push things forward. They might tweak things um, a little bit, but I imagine they want to um, beef up uh, tenants' rights. Um, but let's talk about some of the things that they're um, pushing to one side, or that there's been some um, some pushback. Um, the first thing is the, the landlords being banned from banning tenants on benefits. They're not so keen on that. No, um, and the benefit issue has been rumbling on and on and on, and there was great outrage when agents were uh, publicly stating that they wouldn't take tenants uh, who were on benefits. And I think what people have to remember is, you know, it's a hugely competitive market. Um, the landlord wants a tenant that's not only a decent tenant, but has the ability to pay. Uh, and what people forget about ben housing benefits are paid in arrears, then whereas the tenant has to pay the rent in advance. So the fact it's paid in arrears is not good. Uh, and the fact that there will be during that month, once in arrears, there could be other pressures on tenants. So uh, I'm not saying it's the right decision, but people need to understand what the circumstances are that a tenant um, who, on benefits has how they pay and when they pay. Yeah, there's certainly a practical issues around that one, as you as you've just mentioned there. I mean, I think one that's that's there's been pushed back more on principle than anything else is this ban on landlords banning pets. Um, that seems to be more to do with just the landlord's rights, doesn't it? Because uh, I mean, if if, if I, I'm not sure if you have rental property smart actually, but um, I, but uh, the pets with pets with lets so lets with pets hmm. is. <laughs> been there for about four years there are an, a, a number of pet orientated organizations uh that get very heated about it and very vocal about it um i think it's that it, it, it's it's down to the landlord to make a decision i don't think you can have a blanket ban yeah um, I know. Mm, mm. when you I... see the number of people that have uh pets particularly since the pandemic 
Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're not against pets. I, I have a cat. Um, but it, then, then again, if I was a landlord, I'm not sure um, if I had a, a small flat that I was letting out, whether I'd particularly want one of those big German shepherd dogs living in it, particularly when I've just put a new sofa in. I don't know. Think so. But again, it, it's it's a question that agents will have to ask and landlords will have to ask, and then they make a decision upon that rather than have a blanket ban, <laughs> which they do at the moment. Uh, they, you know, those issues, some of them won't allow children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the, what the response to the children one was, actually. Um, but, I mean, a lot, a lot of these proposals, there seems to be a lot of positive feedback. Um, and the majority of them seem to be, of the proposals in the rental reform bill, seem to be a yes, but with caveats. Um, so, for example, we've got um, tenants being able to leave, leave a contract um, with two months' notice. Um, they've said yes to that, but they suggested um, that it shouldn't be in the first four months of the tenancy. So overall, you're looking at a six months minimum, which so is good. Then for six months, which is good. Yes, exactly, because there needs to be a balance, doesn't there? You know, both sides need to feel relatively secure. Um, and then I, I think you wanted to talk as well about um, Section Eight, because obviously with Section Twenty One gone, they had promised to beef up uh, Section Eight, but there are caveats to that one as well. Or yeah, suggestions. I mean since they since they announced uh that section one would be abolished the caveat was always that they would beef up section eight so forget about 21 we'll cover all the things in in section eight um, i don't think there's been enough detail yet as to how that will uh, actually be achieved and how beefy or beefed up it will be so we need some more detail on that um from them but at least we've got some clarity on 21 if you can call it clarity. Yeah, I mean, again, they're being asked to comment on plans that haven't been fully fleshed out yet. And um, I, I think the response to the, the the new property portal was a bit like that as well. They're saying, yes, good idea in theory, but everything should be digitised if possible. And, 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 you know, what do you actually want to include in this? Um, so, yeah, good in theory. We're waiting to see exactly how it would work. Yeah. How it would work and, again, how it would be policed, because you're asking every landlord to input all this information. Um yeah onto a portal um if he doesn't what are you going to do well you don't even know if he's a landlord that's the other issue yes landlords register yeah, yeah. i mean uh, i know that you have um concerns about this don't you or doubts as, as to whether not necessarily whether it's a good idea but whether it's realistic and whether it's practical and can be implemented um, i think it's a good idea um how it's going to be implemented is going to be incredibly difficult um, we know from that report that they're now recommending that there is only one ombudsman for letting agents and landlords, which um, we've heard some differing uh, opinions on. Uh, I know that landlords or letting agents would be worried about double jeopardy. In other words, they could be taken to an ombudsman and the landlord and the property can be taken to the ombudsman. But I think we will only get to that stage when we've actually got a register of landlords um, because at the moment there is no there's no way of actually tracking them or identifying them as landlords. So we need that first stage before we can go to the next stage. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, again, we're, we're talking about a lot of uncertainties into the future, haven't we, over the last uh, 10 minutes? And I just wanted to round off today's discussion by putting you on the spot, as I, as I tend to do annoyingly, sorry. Um, where do you think, this is a kind of a broad, almost existential question here. We've got 
trouble, obviously, with um, first-time buyers getting onto the market. We have a shortage of stock. We have um, a lack of private rented sector properties. We have um, a potential change of government coming up. Where do you think this is all headed? Um, but I don't want you to just look sort of um, a year or two ahead. Trends in property can move quite slowly. Where do you think we'll be in 20 years' time? What, what do you think the sector's going to look like? I think something has to change because we can't continue to have um, housing costs going up and up and up. Um, we know that the prime motivators since time began was shelter and food. Um, you can deal with food, but shelter is always going to be needed. Um, are we going to have a shift in uh, in housing into multi-generational housing? I don't know. It works um, in uh, mm. American countries. It works in some of the European countries. But basically, we have a huge undersupply. We have an ageing housing stock in this country. So you know they will come to the end of their life uh, at some point. We've got the vast majority uh, of houses being built uh, by public listed companies uh, who are interested only in profit. If we could have a government building company um, who's building solely, uh, and social is probably the right word because there's a stigma attached to that for affordable homes, but you know, to, yeah. to, to magic up vast amounts of houses takes generations to do that. You know, we're only building, we're only building nearly up to 250. We've got reports now we'll be back down to 180,000 uh, this year because unless they can make a profit, um, they won't build. So are you going to do something uh, years and years ago, there was something called um, uh, development land tax. So if you had land that was a development land, you'd be taxed on it, whether or not it was developed. Um, are they going to um, nationalise building land? Uh, and allow it to be developed at cost, <clears throat> which would have a very material effect on values, because if the building land, which at the moment is a large proportion of the cost, becomes sort of almost at nil value, um, all right, the new ones will be um, very low cost, but that will devalue the whole of the housing stock. Um, so whether that, I don't know. Um, 20 years, as you say, is not a long time. Um and because, you know, we've got this revolving door of housing ministers, for instance, which is absolutely ridiculous. We're on to our sixth, I think, the last week. Um, mm -hmm. We've got the Secretary of State, whose now hands are being tied uh, about expenditure that he can actually authorise. And it's become very political, and it shouldn't be political. You want to take the politics out of property. Yeah, and I guess some of these questions as well are, are kind of related to broader economic circumstances, um, whether we, you know, might, may have a period of socialism or something, you know, maybe not outright yeah. socialism, but something slightly more towards the left. Um, if, if we do have a, a Prime Minister Keir Starmer, it'll be interesting to see what his plans are. I know he says that he wants to put more spades in the ground, build more houses, but of course we've heard that before. Heard that every every... Every prime minister, every housing minister, every secretary of state is, oh, we need more, you know, we need more spades. We need, we need more, well, you need more sites that are shovel ready. Um, yeah. But I remember a previous um, prime minister, and the one before, not the previous one, but a couple of them, they, their instructions to their PR companies, just get me somewhere with a high-vis jacket and a, and a hard hat, and that will be good because I can be shown to be helping people to have a home, which, of course, they haven't been able to do. 
just tinkering around the edges probably um but no i, I think that's probably a, a good a good place to leave today's discussion uh thanks again for your time mark it's been uh been an education as always and um yeah okay. um we'll we'll reconvene in um in a month's time and um hopefully we might have some more clarity over the the issues that we've we've talked through today so thanks for your time mark and and thanks to everyone that's watching as well thank you bye